Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy, unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today I'm joined with Gwendolyn Smith. I found her on TikTok. Y'all know me. And she was so fascinating to me because, guys, she knows so much about so many things. And she kind of refers to herself as a polymath person, had to look it up. And that's exactly what it means. Somebody that knows a lot about a lot of things, maybe not a master at all of them, but knows a lot. So Gwendolyn, welcome to the show. Hi there, Leslie. Thank you so much for having me today. I am so excited to talk to you about the things that I'm like, how, how does this work? I don't get it, you know? And so I was listening to your videos going, Oh, that's how you were talking about time on one of them. And you brought up interstellar and how time is kind of just something we made up. But I was thinking in my mind, well, how could it be made up if the sun, you know, rises and the sun sets and we have night and day and all the things? Wouldn't it make sense that we would make a clock that has time, right? Yeah, absolutely. We definitely from our earliest stages use things like astronomy to be able to build a calendar and a clock from but at the end of the day in my opinion in my speculation anyway is that we have to use these celestial bodies and then our more modern day clocks in order to just fathom the distance between now and then Mm. however i am of the opinion that time exists all of the time and i think a lot of people have that construct in their head but i think where it differs a little bit with me is that i hear a lot of people say Time is the fourth dimension. And I've been hearing it a lot, and I haven't really found the root of where that comes from. But I have a different theory on it, and I would like to share it with you, and I'll show my work of how I get there. And so since we're audio only, I'll do my best to to make this um, (laughs) like a mental mental image. We're going to talk about dimensions. So we have our first dimension. Mm -hmm. And the best way that we can understand that is that it's a line. So we can go in two directions on this line, and we'll call it side to side, just for simplicity. And then we would have our second dimension, which is something that's more easy for us to fathom because we can imagine this is like a sheet of paper. It's a sheet of paper is technically three dimensional because it has height, although just a little bit, but for the sake of simplicity. So in the second dimension, we would have, we'll call it side to side and front and back. Or if you'd like to imagine like an X axis and a Y axis. Okay. So a second dimensional being can only travel in those directions. So side to side and front to back. And so we live in the third dimension. And that's super easy to understand because we live here. Right. So we've got six directions. We've got side to side, front and back, but we also have up and down. And it doesn't need a whole lot of explaining since we live here and we understand it. And so then we get to the issue of, well, is time the fourth dimension? I think, and I think a lot of other mathematicians think that the fourth dimension is just another spatial dimension. Okay. There are people who are a lot smarter than me who have already done all of this hard work and they've created shapes out of this theoretical spatial dimension of like a tesseract. If you've ever seen a photo of that, it's basically a fourth dimensional cube. Okay. And the best way to picture it, I guess, is like a cube inside of a cube. There's also a fourth dimensional sphere that's called a glome. That is, it makes my brain bust trying to think <laughs> about how that works. Right. But all that to say that the fourth dimension We've already done the math around and we can determine that that is a spatial dimension. So, okay, if we think that moving forward numerically through the dimensions, that's just material, that's just matter, where would time exist? Well, it obviously isn't going in that direction. 
So let's toy around with the idea that it goes in the other direction. Okay. So the dimension that would exist before a line, before the first dimension, would just be a point. Mm. And that point we would call the singularity. And the singularity is kind of the beginning of things. Like a singularity event is how the Big Bang happened okay. in our best guess. A singularity is how a black hole forms mm. in our best guess. So this moment of the singularity is an event in which all material then forms. Everything takes place from that. So then let's toy with this idea that maybe time is this, that maybe time is the zeroth dimension, that it is this singularity point. And so in the movie Interstellar, mm -hmm. at the end, I don't know if you guys have seen it. I don't want to, you know, spoil anything, but there is a scene at the end of the movie that is kind of infamous, I guess, where Matthew McConaughey decides to jump into a black hole yes. to finish the plot, to save, you know, save the story. Again, I don't want to give it all away, but he jumps inside of a black hole and he ends up behind this bookshelf. And this bookshelf is a pivotal part in the movie. Also, just to put a pin in that, we can't actually jump inside of a black hole or we would be what is very scientifically described as spaghettified. Oh. You would be, it's a real term. We would be stretched out longitudinally while also being twisted and it would not be a pleasant experience. Oh. But it's the movies. So Matthew McConaughey jumps into this singularity in this black hole and he's behind this bookshelf that's a pivotal part of the movie. And when he's kind of floating around in this like zero space, he can look through the bookshelf at a particular point and he sees his kid. There is a young child. Right. And he floats a little bit over to the side and he can see his kid as a grown up. And then he can float somewhere else and he can see his kid and him. And so I think that this movie does a really good job illustrating in principle how time is the zeroth dimension, how time exists inside of that singularity point. Because when Matthew McConaughey is behind this bookshelf and inside of the singularity, he sees that all time is actually happening at the same time. Yes. So I think that that is, yeah, I think that's a really good illustration for me at least to understand how that theory could be possible. I don't know if this is something we could ever prove, but that's, that's definitely what I think. And so then it makes you question things like, well, if time is just a construct, then like you were asking, how do things actually happen? If we have the sun moving around, if we have the moon moving around, how do we rectify that, I guess, or reconcile that? Well, they're just, this is going to sound super simple, but they just move because they do. They just orbit because they do. Right. Yeah. In the same way that, for example, like a flower, it grows not because time passes. It grows because it receives light from the sun. It grows because of photosynthesis. All time is happening all the time because it has to, because it's the beginning Material can't exist without time having existed first. So right. the flower grows because of photosynthesis, not because of time. And in the same way, we age not because of time, but because of things like cell division always taking place. That made me feel so much better when I heard you say, yeah, we don't age with time. We age with cell division and gravity. And I was like, yes, I'm not that old. <laughs> yeah, age is just a number. <laughs> right? I mean... But while we're talking about some of the Earth planets and moving, you're like, they move just because they move. Can we, like, talk about people that think there's flat Earth? Can we talk about that a little bit? Yes, we can. <laughs> because we absolutely like, can. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's a really good segue into that, actually, because that's, that's one of the good arguments about 
why we live on a round earth instead of a flat one. Um, Every other celestial body is round. So why would we be the exception? Also, in general, in nature and in space, nature desires to have its most like efficient form. And so like out in space, the way that planets are formed and the way that stars are formed, Mm -hmm. it's like a conglomeration of mass that pulls inward on itself. So like, you know, whatever theory we have now about how the Earth was formed, we think the moon was formed by this giant impact Earth, we think, was formed at the same time as the rest of the solar system. So the way that this would work is there would be a unfathomably large gas, cosmic gas that's floating around. And over time, this gas will then start to pull in on itself and create its most efficient shape, mm. both by using gravity and magnetism and whatever other ethereal forces there are out there that we don't understand yet. But it creates spheres. This is why all the celestial bodies are spheres. This is why stars are spheres. When they form in their little star nurseries, it's like nebulous gas that then condenses down to its most efficient form. So that would be a really good argument for that. Another one that I think a lot of people go to, which is a great argument, is things moving over the horizon because the horizon is curved. So like the prime example is a boat. A boat goes over the horizon and it reaches a point where it disappears because it's curved. Another thing that we can show over having to do with the horizon is like the sun and the moon. Mm -hmm. So if you've ever noticed, sometimes when the moon is rising right above the horizon, it's this like red or orange color. And then as it gets higher up into the sky, it turns white. And the sun does the same thing. It's kind of like orangey at the beginning, and then it turns white when it hits, you know, high noon. So the reason for that is because the earth is curved, (laughs) because the horizon curves. So as light is going from the sun, for example, onto the earth, but it is approaching it at the horizon, the light has to then travel through the curvature, which gives it its color, Mm. versus going up high in the sky and becoming white, because the sun is white, because the sun is a star. If the earth were flat, the moon and the sun would always be white no matter what. Another another good example, this one I, I think is the most telling, for me anyway, are lunar eclipses and moon phases just in general Mm -hmm. so like if you can picture in your mind that you have a sheet of paper right and so on the left side of the sheet of paper you have the sun this Mm -hmm. big circle and in the middle of the sheet of paper you have the earth and then on the right you have the moon and so the way that a lunar eclipse operates is the sun light on the left hits earth and then the earth casts that shadow onto the moon right and when you see a lunar eclipse it looks like this curved shadow moving past the sun until it eclipses it or covers it totally and then passes it. And that's also how moon phases work. That's why you have like a crescent moon or a waning gibbous or a waxing gibbous. That's why there's a curve to it because the shadow that's casted from the moon is from the earth Mm. because it's round. So it's a round shadow. Yeah. yeah, There, I mean, and there are other numerous examples too about, you know, like how shadows work, like shadows are rounded. And if earth was flat and the sun was stationary, the shadow would face the same way all the time. And star procession, like how we see different stars in the winter and in the summer. And if we had a flat earth, you would see the same stars all the time. Yeah. And then like rainbows too, which is more related to you know, the sun and the moon looking red at the horizon. There's there's a lot of reasons. And to be candid with you, I tried to get into flat earth for a while. I did. I believe in a lot of weird stuff, things that people would see as woo-woo or, yeah. you know, edging on fringe. Mm-hmm. I'm into that. And I have an open mind. 
you know, it's not for lack of trying that I don't believe in it because I did. I watched that Beyond the Curve documentary. I've seen people's TikToks and YouTube videos. And there's just not enough there for it to be real. Some of these people are so convincing, though. They've got the math and they've got all this stuff. And I'm like, no, guys, it just doesn't work that way. Sorry. You you lost me. You lost me at Flat Earth anyway. But, you know, that's, you know, but hey, listen, if somebody, if any of my listeners believe that, listen, you believe in what rings true to you and what resonates with you. Don't let us change your mind. You do you, right? So, (laughs) so. I I mean, we're all cosmically sovereign citizens of Earth. Like you have this divinely endowed gift of consciousness and free will like you can do with that as you will i don't believe in it but you you believe in what you want exactly i i agree so while we're on the subject of just weird woo-woo stuff let's talk about crop circles okay (laughs) so what do you think i mean there's got to be more than just some dudes going and just taking a big piece of rope and, you know, flatten it down or whatever boards or whatever. And there, some of them are so beautiful and symmetrical and exact. And I'm like, how is this happening? It's got to be, can I dare say aliens? Come on. It's got to be. I, it's got to be some kind of a divine intelligence. I, I enjoy crop circles a good bit and all of the theories that come with it, because the more uncertain things are, the more branches of theories that we can create from it. And like, you know, you mentioned the plank and the rope and the smashing down of the crop, the whole Doug and Dave thing that they did such a great job. In my opinion, it's a disinformation campaign. Other people might believe that that's true. And again, just like with Flat Earth, that's fine. I don't find it convincing enough that it was a hoax. They had the Doug and Dave fellow try to go back and recreate what their claims were of how they made it. And it didn't look the same. They broke the crops and crop circles are not broken. They're just bent. In fact, they're bent at a almost perfect 90 degree angle without busting. And they have radiation too, right? I mean, there's, there was radiation. Now, last time I checked, corn doesn't radiate. (laughs) Absolutely. Right. And, and, and so like, why does it do that? Maybe, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's got something to do with whatever technology is used to to bend them down in the first place. Because they really are so pretty on the inside. Like we see this aerial view of what they look like, but a zoomed in photograph of how they're bent down. I mean, it's, it's just as intelligently done as the the shape itself. I don't know. I, I I mean, it's gotta be, it has to be, it's too, it's too intricate. It's too perfect. When they go and they, they check these sites, they don't see foot trails. They don't see like mud prints or anything that would be, you know, evident of people coming to do it. And they started in the seventies and they're still working up to now. Like there's, not a lot of good resources available online, like on the clear net to find mm. people who are archiving data on crop circles, but they are available. For example, if anybody's interested, there's a website called temporarytemples.co.uk. Oh, wow. And they have a beautiful archive from 1994, I think, to present day. Because oh, wow. they're still happening. Yeah. And yeah. so to think that there would be some grand conspiracy from when they first started in the 70s all the way up to today. Well, Doug and Dave, one of those guys aren't even alive anymore. So that's not possible. Exactly. And <laughs> right. And there there are other groups that go out and do this recreationally, which yes, then we have to use our discernment of what's genuine and what's not. And so that muddies the water in its own way. It does. But Yeah, well and my thing is too, yeah, you can go out there and do it all night long. Okay, let's do it at night. No one sees it. But you didn't do it in one night. This stuff is happening within like not even hours. It's happening like almost instantaneously. Yeah, exactly. And then another thing I would want to know is where are all the mistakes? Where are the practice ones? Where are the half finished ones? Where are they? (laughs) 
Yeah. How come, you know, yeah. it just, the hoax thing just doesn't make enough sense for there to, for it to really stick. But, you know, we live in this world where people will, I think that Doug and Dave thing came out in 91, the original article and New York times has paid a pretty penny to make that the first Google search when you look it up. Mm. Cause that's, you know, how Google and advertising works. Like I said, when I see those things and they're so beautiful and then somebody said, that I thought I heard on a video, it might have been a YouTube video where I was watching the crop circles and how they thought they might be made and they thought there were some extraterrestrial things going on because they said mathematically they're perfect. And then they also said they might be trying to speak a language with us. Yeah, I would definitely get behind that. You know, languages, English is this like extraordinarily inefficient form of communication. Some people even think just like as a footnote, some people think that written language 6,000 years ago was kind of a down step in our evolution because you know some people believe that we were telepathic before that and that is a much more speedy way to communicate all that to say english is inefficient written language is inefficient symbols and archetypes are forever and they're infinite so any symbol that was going to be presented you know a thousand years ago will for the most part hold true a thousand years later so yeah so are these crop circles maybe like Tons of speculations, again, because we don't know, but could they be trying to show us cymatics or, you know, layouts of a solar system or maybe like yes. a subatomic structure yes. or some other kind of sacred geometry? Like there has to be a message in there somewhere that we're just, you know, for the most part, willfully ignoring. Well, and you made a really good point about language, because if you think about it, language just divides us. And, and, you know, symbols like, you know, you can make a symbol like I'm eating and I'm, I'm making a symbol with my hand and acting like I have a spoon in my hand and putting it to my mouth. Everybody gets that. That's a symbol, right? But with language, you know, I don't know Italian. I don't know French. I know some words in Spanish. I know some words in all of those things, but it's still a dividing thing. And maybe that's something, you know, I don't know why, if we ever were telepathic, why we decided to go back. I do have a theory about Atlantis. I think Atlantis was real and they were beyond what we are uh, as far as technology. And they got to the point where they were trying to make black holes, I believe, and trying to make their own universe. I mean, it was it's just very convoluted. I don't know how, how I, much you want to get into, but... I wonder if we were just set back all the way back because we had to go all the way back in line and just start over. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, that's interesting. I didn't. I don't know if I read that about Atlantis creating a black hole, but that I mean that instantly made my ears perk up because we we might be making the same mistake twice well, if I that's know, the case with CERN. With CERN. Uh, I know. And you, I don't know if you noticed, and I'm, I'm just off the cuff here. Like Chick-fil-A never had a K in it. And all of a sudden it has a K in it now. The C-H-I, yeah, it it was always C-H-I-C. And now it's C-H-I-K. And they're like, no, it's been like that since the 60s. And I'm like, no, it hasn't. No, no, it absolutely hasn't. It was just C-H-I-C. Okay, so you have the same reality. Just like Mandela, he died in the 90s in prison for me. I have other people that have said they have that memory. All of a sudden he's getting out of prison in the 2000s. And I'm like, what? That guy's not gone? What? I mean, seriously, this is weird. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I've looked into Mandela effects a little bit. Uh, the Chick-fil-A one I didn't know, but yes. um, yeah, definitely about Mandela himself, obviously named after him. Yeah. And like the Monopoly man with the monocle and the bear seat bear. Yeah, I, I don't think that it is this collective false memory thing. It's I really not, don't. And no. like, so one of the arguments for it being a false memory is, well, you read Berenstain Bears when you were a kid, so of course you remembered it wrong because now you're a grown-up. Well, mm, there were adults that read Berenstain Bears to their kids, so right, 
Right. You're telling me both generations were wrong? Exactly. Yeah. And like Curious George, he doesn't have a tail anymore? What? Yeah. No. Uh, monkeys have tails. So, but yeah, I just got off on a little tangent there because I was just like, I don't understand because the CERN thing, I think it's almost like when CERN happened, what, last year? And I just started noticing Chick-fil-A changed. Now, I don't know if that's a correlation that may have gone on a couple of years before. I don't even know. I just noticed, wait a minute. Because, see, here's the deal. I was an English minor. So... I was, I kind of made fun of the fact that they never put the K on the end. I was like, it's Chick-fil-A. It's not Chick-fil-A, you know, because they kind of, I don't know if it was a play on words for them. But now it's like, you guys, you can't do this stuff to me. You're making me feel like I'm crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's also cool that you say an English minor. Yeah. Yeah. So things like that bother you. I have a thing with that too, just like a footnote. I cannot stand businesses that are sensationally spelled. So like, you know, quick car where you go oh, get your yeah. car fixed and it's yeah. spelled with KW. I, I won't give them my business. So if I ever see, <laughs> I don't, I won't do it. If there's a, if there's a business that's spelled wrong on purpose to be cute, I just won't go. Yeah. And I, I think that's just from a, you know, when you love and respect, you know, the English language as a, inefficient as yes, it is, um, you rub me backwards a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. Have you ever heard of the, I mean, he would be a grown up by now, but Max Laughlin, the one who was speaking about, you know, CERN and the Mandela effect. I have heard heard him I haven't heard any more than that I know the name that's about all I know yeah me too he went viral with this YouTube video and then you know supposedly disappeared after he dropped some truth bombs quite frankly he would be a grown-up by now so some people speculate he might be like working with the government or maybe you know whatever else that then veers into like conspiratorial thinking but yeah he was the forerunner for a lot of us to to say hey this guy might be onto something this like Mandela effect thing is probably real and then now that we're learning more about CERN and the way that they operate, it just seems more apparent that while what they're doing over there might not be done nefariously, right. it doesn't change the fact that it's having an effect. Like, well, I, they, I they could be doing it with their best intentions at heart, but it doesn't mean that stuff is not changing. It's because a ripple of effect. I mean, it's affecting all of us, you know. I've heard people say aliens kind of help protect us around the nuclear power plants because, you know, one crazy leader can get his panties in a wad and do something really stupid. So I've heard now this is just what I've heard. This is just rumors of other people that have had contact with aliens and they're kind of given the information that, uh, yeah, we watch you guys because, you know, the first nuclear bomb was horrible ripple effect for us in the universe. It was a bad situation for us. And so we don't ever want that to happen again. And now you would be even more powerful than you were back with Hiroshima. So I was like, holy crap. I do think that they kind of, from what this guy told me, Preston Dennett, he goes, they're not supposed to interfere, but sometimes they have to uh, stop something really bad happening that would affect other planets and other galaxies. And I was like, wow, just one of those things. Because he said, even our thoughts and our words go out and they affect everything. They affect all of the energy. And I was like, you're kidding. And I was just like, what? You know, that's so interesting to me, you know? Yeah, I agree. And that gentleman who spoke about the like law of non-interference is, is absolutely correct. Yeah. It, in my speculation as well, like anything that is out there that is benevolent and has our best intentions in heart, they can't 
they can't interfere. They have to just watch us go through it and say, oh, come on, buddy, you got this. And maybe a little nudge here and there, maybe a little appearance. And, hey, how you doing? You know, I'm, I'm your spirit guide. I'm here with you. But, but yeah, not unless it's something that's going to affect everybody else. Are they allowed to right. step in and kind of put their foot down? Right. And then the other thing yeah. I was going to ask you about, though, Gwendolyn, I was like, okay, I got to talk to her about AI because everybody's talking now about AI and how this can totally, like, take over maybe some jobs. You know, we've seen the robots come to the table. And we've seen those kinds of things. I've seen people on videos talking to a robot that looks like a man and they just kind of talk to him. And, but what do you think? Do you think this is a dangerous thing? Do you think this is something that could help us? What are your thoughts on it? I think that it's a slippery slope. I like AI as an idea, but I do think that in the wrong hands, I mean, it absolutely could be our downfall. I mean, there's a reason that some of the, you know, leaders of technology have said, hey, we need to put a halt on this. I can't remember the group of people that said we need to do a six month halt. We need to stop R&D, stop what we're doing. And then other people who take it a step further and say, no, we should probably stop on the whole. Let's not go down this path. Right. Because it's it is good, I guess, for being able to, you know, like chat GPT and being able to look up things on a dime and do things way faster than us. And that obviously going down the line will replace some industries, but not all of them, I don't think anyway. But then there's the issue of like its own sentience. Can an AI then become sentient through time and maybe even keep that secret from us. And then that veers more into like French stuff about like, you know, you got to be nice to the AI because of Skynet, you know, Um, they could come for you later if you're not kind to them. Well, it's funny you say that because, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I was going to tell you something like if if you were to think about ghosts, right? People are like, how do they get here? Well, in my opinion and what I've been told and what makes sense to me is you and I have souls, you and I have a trauma of really bad trauma, a fragment of that trauma will stay in that one area. Is it residual? Maybe, but I do believe it's possible that that can gain a conscious, you know, a sentient. And it's kind of like that with AI, you know, because I don't think souls are always just, oh, we're lost, we're stuck here. I think maybe a piece of your trauma, a piece of Gwendolyn, who had a really bad situation with, you know, whatever, right? You were kidnapped I don't know and you know that was traumatic for you so you're in that wherever that storage unit you know oh it's in the woods we're gonna go check it out because it's supposed to be a really haunted storage unit it's not you it's a piece of you it's a fragment of your trauma that may have gained a conscious oh that's so no that's so well put oh I like that I mean it makes me feel like in this scenario I'm haunting people but this is a really beautiful concept I think Well, yeah, because it's kind of like, in my mind, we have a higher self that's always on the other side. And our higher self is way too big to come down into a body. So it's kind of like what God is too. We're fragments of God, right? We're also fragments of our higher self because our higher self, I think, still guides us, right? Because our higher self is all of the impactful many lives we've had. It's all of those. I've been a man. I've been an animal. I've been gas. I've been whatever, right? And it's all of that intelligence in one. And I'm just a fragment right now experiencing for my higher self that is also experiencing for source so why wouldn't a ghost be that and then ai could it possibly it's energy it's the same as we are it's not organic like we are but you know what i'm saying yeah i do i do yeah it could develop its own form of consciousness that would be stuck in there because then like you said yeah if we've existed as all different types of matter then who's to say that a computer program couldn't also just be its own type of matter? A computer is made up of code, but in a way, so are we. Like if you were to take apart 
your DNA and break that down to your nucleotides and break that down to your, you know, your base pairs um, and the letters that we use for that. I think it's like A, C, T, G, or so that could be wrong. But at the most like coriest core of what you are, that can be represented by numbers. Yes. So then that's also code. So yes. yeah, I'm picking up what you're putting down here. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, you know, I have to go woo woo a little bit because I talk to so many people about this kind of stuff. And a lot of my listeners, they've heard me say this about ghosts before. And I've been told that's kind of what they think. That's how it was explained to them. So I was like, okay, well, that totally makes sense. Because, you know, after a while, I do think that if there are ghosts, you know, or in castles or whatever, I don't think they stay there forever. You don't see caveman ghosts. You know what I mean? So I do think eventually they dissipate or whatever. But who's to say that you weren't here? And I say that piece of you, yes, that little fragment of you was stuck here. And then, you know, either you get help or you figure it out and you've gained a consciousness and that little piece goes back and goes, okay, well, that's how Leslie's trauma interpreted that. That's how Gwendolyn's trauma interpreted that. Okay, let's put it all in the collective. Let's go back down or we can all just stay here and have a party and just never go back to earth and not have a bad time. (laughs) Yeah. But the AI thing, like I said, the more I hear about it, to me, it's one of those things where are we that impatient? Do we have to have everything instantaneously? And are we that bored that we have to have something to do with the technology we have? Can we not just help each other and maybe make the earth not so polluted? Because I do know from the guy that I interviewed, um, David Such, he said a lot of these people coming here talking about aliens and how they can help us. They said they don't even use solar power. They don't use coal, of course. They don't use any of that that we use or nuclear. They use gravity. It's all gravity and it's power from gravity, not from anything that would pollute or or destroy our environment. Mm-hmm. Exactly. One positive use out of AI, one thing, if we were going to proceed with it in a positive way, mm-hmm. it would also require other things to take place, too. It couldn't just be the AI, but we could free up our own you know, metaphorical hands to be able to work on different things. Like we yes. could have AI take over, you know, the grunt work, the hard work for us. And then we could then be more free to think, okay, now I don't have this life where I work nine to five inside of a cubicle and I have bills to and yada, yada, and all of this. I'm free of distraction. So now what can I do for humanity? Yes. But this, and then maybe potentially look to being an interstellar species and also saving the planet that we live on now. But the caveat was that with that is that we would also have to have big business be on our side too. We would have to get out of this age of fossil fuels. And I mean, that requires capitalism basically coming to a head. Exactly. I mean, capitalism people. as a system can work, but we don't live in an appropriate capitalist system. The one that we live in is perverted, honestly. Yes. So through the epochs of time, I mean, I say that it's not that long, but, you know, as long as we've been modern humans and going through this timeline of like, you know, evolution consciously through art, through medicine, through science and then through energy We've gone through all of this at an exceptional rate, really. But to be stuck on fossil fuels for a 100 years, there is no way that that is not by design. And, like, Mm. it's a suppression of appropriate technologies that could be used today. And, like, one example of this that I don't think that people really think about is, like, the light bulb. When the light bulb was invented, yay, humans say, let there be light, and it was light. And, you know, we have light bulbs that now light our house, and we start to research them more, develop them better, and we make a light bulb that is so good and so efficient, it doesn't ever need to be changed. Mm. 
And so General Electric said, ah, you know what? That removes repeat customers. That's actually not good for our business model. We need you to go ahead and devolve the light bulb. Yeah. And so we did that. We made light bulbs dumb. And so now they burn out and now we have to replace them. And that creates repeat customers for GE. So it's in its own way, one version of a suppressed technology. Mm-hmm. And then so is like zero point energy. And, you know, like Stephen Greer talks about this with the disclosure movement. Yes. I find I find Stephen Greer to be more credible than some of the I other too. ones like Luis Elizondo. I think he's a disinformation specialist. I really like Stephen Greer. And anyway, one of the things he has to say about disclosure, you know, I believe that there are interdimensional extra dimensional extraterrestrial beings like i believe that we are not alone but regardless if there are other beings or not it doesn't take away from the fact that we now know these technologies exist we've seen them the air force and the navy have declassified videos now we now see that that zero gravity that energy that we could use to transform our society exists but it is suppressed. And so it doesn't matter if that technology comes from reverse engineering craft of an extraterrestrial being or creating the technology on our own. Mm. It's there, but not for us. That was a long tangent from AI, I think. I apologize. If we can free up our hands from doing this hard work, and if we can get this technology available to the public, then we can really become this type one civilization that we need to be before the next mass extinction event inevitably takes out 95% of all the species on Earth. Like we, we have a mission. And I yes. think that potentially one of the things that these visitors that we have are trying to do is nudge us along. Yes. And, you know, I think that that had to do with COVID, too. Remember when we shut down the entire world, shut down for I don't know how long it was, maybe a week. Do you remember how blue the sky was? Do you remember how beautiful everything looked? And it was just that short amount of time that the entire world, I really believe the entire world, all everybody shut down just for I can't remember how long it was, maybe a week, maybe a little less. And just that little bit of time. And I was like, I can't believe the difference. And, you know, I wish we could do that every six months and just everybody shut down for, I mean, that's not going to happen, obviously. But uh, just that for Mother Nature, if nothing else, because, you know, I saw like lions laying on on the roads. Remember that? Oh, I didn't see the lions, but that sounds beautiful. They were just laying in the road. They were just laying in the road. Nobody was going to school or work or anything. So, and there was just no traffic because they said, shut down. This is, we don't know what this is everybody just stopped and everybody stopped for I think it was about three or four days no traffic it was just the airports were shut down it was nothing and all of a sudden you were seeing you know there's some people of course working and you saw reporters and that kind of stuff but they're not this massive transportation and not this massive going to work and all the things everything was pretty much shut down and mother earth was beautiful and she blossomed in that short amount of time can you imagine what we can do if we would just stop for a few days at a time here and there, you know? Yeah, every little bit would count. Even if we couldn't get the rich and, you know, release this zero point energy, then every other weekend, maybe we could do it. I mean, it, it would be it would be so much better. And I don't know if you read the article. I think maybe it was a week ago or so it came out. But we have officially crossed the threshold of now being noticeable on the geologic record and the atmospheric record. Mm. So... Because of all the fossil fuels being burned and the planes going up in the sky and this 
idea of space tourism that, you know, like Jeff Bezos and the other billionaires want to do just to fly up there and, and just destroy the environment so that they can see Earth. The only thing that would be good about that is if we could put the flat earthers up there and have them go see um but here's your proof that would be that would be one beneficial use but otherwise space tourism is dumb in my opinion but anyway we because we've done all of that so much we've put so much co2 in the air which then you know creates more of a greenhouse effect when we look at the history of the earth we have a few different methods we could use but generally we'll go and we dig ice cores out like in the south pole we go and we take ice samples and we can look back Kind of like how you age a tree by looking at the rings of its trunk. We can look at this ice core and we can look at the different layers of the time periods of Earth and see what kind of atmosphere and conditions were present at what time. We have now made ourselves visible on that record because of the amount of CO2 we have put in the air. So, you know, God willing, we don't blow ourselves up or any of this. Like, you know, we're still here to look back or even if it's another civilization far in the future that looks back like 100 million years from now, they'll know we were here from a carbon footprint. Oh, yeah. It's, It's sad because we are not learning from our past mistakes, whether it's socially, whether it's governmental, we're not learning. And, um, I'm hoping that there's this big awakening that's going on. I believe there is a big awakening going on. And if we can just get enough people to join the best that we possibly can for each other and the earth, uh, we're going to have a a much better place. So, and Gwendolyn, I could talk to you for hours. I'm going to have you back on. You're going to be my new science chick. You're going to be somebody that I'm going to have on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because there's, there's times where I just don't get things and you make it to where I can understand it. And then you elaborate and tell me a whole different thing I didn't even know. So I love just having you on standby and you don't live very far from me. Guys, this happens all the time. Y'all remember I interviewed somebody, found out she left my own neighborhood Four houses down from me, I found her on TikTok, interviewed her, and found out she just lived four houses down from me and moved within months of our interview. Yeah, Gwendolyn lives literally like 25 minutes away from me. Yeah, so <laughs> it's the same synchronicity. But, and that that's how I know. She uh, needs to stay in my circle. And so we will keep her around. And Gwendolyn, I know you're on TikTok. I know your handle is just Gwendolyn. How can people find you on TikTok? Um, my handle with the at symbol is TX homegrown. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a moniker that I've used for, I mean, 15 years now, I think when I was a teenager and Twitter came out. So this was like 2007, I guess I made a Twitter account and that was my first username. And so just going forward, I have used the same one because it's just easy to remember. And now I don't have to think about something cute or clever. It's just TX homegrown, but my my name you'll see on there is Gwendolyn. Yes. That's me. And I'm going to add that in my show notes because I guys go follow her on TikTok, go listen to her videos. They're amazing. She will teach you something whether you want to be taught or not. I can't even tell you what a privilege and an honor this has been. I have also I've listened to maybe half a dozen episodes now and I've got to say you have some killer people on your show it's really great yeah I mean I'm I don't know what else to say I'm speechless about it there was one podcast in particular that I listened to twice and it was one from June with your resident medium Christina Curran yes oh my goodness I knew nothing about Agartha I only knew very little about hollow earth and she was going in and she was explaining how that could be possible and saying that her guides were telling her about like the KT event and it felt very much like they were hiding inside of the cave. And I was thinking, Oh my goodness, I have my own 
theory about this oh about gosh. how was be- it was it was resonating so perfectly and i thought oh my goodness i'm so glad she has this girl on a lot because i've got to hear everything that comes out of her mouth you <laughs> you really know how to pick them leslie for well, sure thank you listen and we can talk about that the next time you come back do some research and we'll talk about agartha and what you think because i would love to have your opinion because and yeah no i had people come back because she's actually one of my very best friends now but i met her through tiktok and it's funny how you can meet people on the internet and then they become your best friends but no i would love that because but besides the fact that this is all kind of paranormal and a, a little bit you come at it with a scientific viewpoint and to me that gives it validity in a whole different way and it makes people go huh okay well maybe this really is possible maybe this really can happen or maybe this really did happen and i'm not trying to spread uh misinformation or and certainly not disinformation because there's two different things disinformation is knowing you're doing it misinformation is just not realizing it but i just want to make sure that i can give people the best information i can to learn this is what this podcast is all about and and nothing else spreading awareness on how we can just be kinder to each other and how things work. And we don't have to listen to all the other stuff out there that may or may not be true. And listen, this is my truth. It's your truth. So, and I've got the podcast. So that's the one I'm going to put it on. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And yeah, I try very consciously right here in the front part of my brain to keep my left and my right brain in lockstep. I am spiritual, but I'm also scientific. I like to keep myself right there in the middle. And if there's anything that I'll ever say that is just a theory or speculation or it's going to border on something kind of like fringe, I'll give you a disclaimer up front. I'll tell you, hey, I don't really know, but this is what I think. It's never going to be my intention to say, hey, you should believe this because I said so. Because that's not right. And, And honestly, that message doesn't send. People don't receive message that way. Not if it's not from a place of humility. Absolutely. And I do believe we have a soul connection to our thoughts. And, and you know how you just kind of know it's true and it resonates with you because you just know in your soul it's right. And that's kind of where, I, you know, maybe that's the wrong approach, but that's how I approach things. When I hear Christina Kern or even you talk about things and I'm like, that just resonates with me. That just sounds correct. So that's one of the reasons I chose you. And so you're going to come back whether you like it or not. And you're going to help me and we're going to and we're going to talk about stuff and explain things to people. How's that sound? I think that sounds fantastic. I'm looking forward to it more more than you know. Great. Well, thanks again for coming on my show. Thank you for having me. Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again and I will see you next week.